Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We're starting a brand new series today, and I'm kind of really excited about this. I think you're going to enjoy this. And so let me just explain a principle that a lot of you already know about. Uh, I'm taking you to this principle, and the principle is this. That's not the principle. The principle is this. It's often easier when it comes to relationships. How many of you know this? It's oftentimes just easier to run. So in other words, yeah, I can sit down and have the really hard conversations with my friends, the really necessary conversations with my friends, or to be honest, I can just split and find some new friends. Like, like oftentimes, we just feel like that's easier. Sometimes you say, yeah, I could sit down and have the really hard conversation with my parents, and, and I could do that, or I could just run. I could run away from home. I could just leave. I could, just, I could do that because I think it's easier. It's easier when it comes to relationships maybe just to run. Some of you right now, in, in all honesty, you're in the middle of this one. You know what would be easier right now? Divorce would be easier. Divorce would just flat out be easier, and maybe you're living in that right now. And it's hard work. It's hard work to reconcile. It's hard work to have the difficult conversations. It's hard to listen and to understand, to put yourself in someone else's places. Those things are really hard. Sometimes it's just easier to run. So the question becomes, how do we relate more effectively? How do we interact more effectively, interpersonally? How how do we do that? And that's something that we're going to be looking over today and the next nine weeks We're going to specifically be looking at that. We're going to be studying through the Bible. We're going to be studying biblical characters. We're going to be looking at their traits, and we're going to do a little self-examination, a little self-awareness, and say, God, how do we relate to each other more effectively? So I'm going to ask you, grab your Bibles, flip to Matthew chapter 22. If you pull up a digital copy, you have it on your phone or something like that, it will always ask you, what translation do you want? That's always an option. We use at this church the New Living Translation. There are a lot of good translations out there. That's the one that we settled on. We like it. New Living Translation. Matthew chapter 22. And then when you get it, uh, by the way, let me just give you this footnote while you're looking it up. If you don't have a Bible, well, if you don't have a Bible, you're not looking it up. But if you don't have a Bible, right, you don't need to go out and buy one. We bought them. We bought a bunch. We get bulk rate, and we put them in the lobby for you. I think it's important that you have one that you see. I love marking notes and you know, all of that stuff. So they're in the lobby. They're on high-top tables. You just need to be aware. They're in English and Spanish both, so you need to get the right language, okay? Then I'm going to have you stand to your feet, if you would. And if you're new around here, I always say this, we don't up, down, up, down the whole morning. We stand because it's a great reminder for us that this isn't just some book that we flipped open, right? This is God speaking to us. And when we stand, we're just acknowledging that. It's not wrong if we don't. It's not wrong if you go to another church and they don't. This is just our thing. Matthew chapter 22, and I'm starting in verse 34. Matthew 22, 34, follow along. It says this, but when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Verse 37, Jesus replies, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Verse 39, And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you should love yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy word. 
Man, we have had just, just, a, a, just a, a cherished time worshiping in your presence today. Holy Spirit, we don't invite you to be here. You are here, and we acknowledge your presence, and we say thank you for being amongst us. And now, Holy Spirit, give us understanding into this word. What are you saying to each of us individually? Holy Spirit, what would you speak to us today? What are you saying Give us understanding. Make it poignant for us, Holy Spirit. And do it in a way that draws us closer to the Savior. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So what I want to do is I want to take this passage and I want to lead you up to it. I want to set this up just a little bit. You know that Jesus kind of had two opposing groups that he faced all the time. They were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were, Jesus was always kind of a, opposing them. They, they were the religious elite, the religious officials of that day. And they didn't care for Jesus because Jesus was starting to gain popularity and he was gaining attention. So I want to set that up for you. And I want you to see this. If you look back in verse 15, it says this. Then the Pharisees met together. Now, real quick, I just want you to understand the background of the Pharisees because I think this is important. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They come out. They eventually go into the promised land. They conquer the promised land. Now they're living in the promised land. And this is human nature. You'll all identify with this. They have this thing that happens in the nation of Israel where they're obedient to God. They're following God. And so what does God do? God is a God of blessing, and he blesses them. And then, after a lot of blessing, this is human nature, right? They get real comfortable. And they just start doing their own thing. As a result, they become disobedient. And they start to do, just wander away from God. And so God, because he is a God of love, loving gods, loving parents, discipline their children because they don't want them to be idiots forever. And so God disciplines them. And there were different forms of discipline. And they'd go through this cycle, obedience, blessing, disobedience, you know, discipline. It was just this thing on and on and on. And one of the forms of discipline is the nation of Israel would be invaded by other people. They were invaded by the Assyrians and taken over. They were invaded by the Babylonians and they were taken captive. Reading the book of Daniel, they were captives were taken out and they were taken to Babylon, right? Okay, now they're coming back. They're coming back into the promised land. And there was a group of them wisely who got together and said, man, we sure don't like experiencing the discipline of God. We're going to make sure that we start getting this right. And we're going to make sure that everybody stays on track and we follow after God. And this was the Pharisees and this was their origin. And this is a noble thing. But how many of you know that too much of almost anything becomes an issue? And so they began making up rules to help people obey rules. Do you know what I'm saying? So like there are 613 um, commands in the law of Moses, 613. And they started making up rules about those laws. So for instance, we know that you're supposed to keep the Sabbath holy. And so they actually said, this is how many steps you're allowed to take on a Sabbath day. Because after a while it becomes work and, and you're, you're working now. And, and you can only uh, travel X number of cubits. And, and then people are finding loopholes to get around, right? So the Pharisees started out well and it just got sideways after a while. And here they, they, they come and now they're opposing Jesus. So these Pharisees then met together and they're plotting, how can we, this is important, trap Jesus. And I say that because you need to know their motive. Their motive is we're trying to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. And they sent some of their disciples along with supporters of Herod. Herod is the Jewish leader. He's a Jew, but basically only by ethnicity. Uh, he, pa- he, he practices the Passover, which is their big holiday. Doesn't really follow after God in any other way. And so these supporters of Herod, and they're going to meet with Jesus. Well, they give Jesus this IRS tax question, basically. And Jesus does a little coin trick with a coin and sends them off scurrying. 
right? So they come, they're trying to trap Jesus, Jesus sends them off. Okay, well next step you have, that same day Jesus was approached by some Sadducees. Sadducees are religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead, and they're going to pose a question. So the Sadducees are kind of like the Pharisees, but they actually don't believe there's a resurrection. There's no life after this life. They believe we live for the pleasure of God, and so you do that, and then you're gone. They don't believe there's any reward, there's no afterlife. That's why they're Sad, you see. Good. And so now they're going to pose a question. There's nothing like really good Sunday school humor, is there? I mean, this stuff is, right. So they're going to pose a question. And this is what they say. Teacher, Jesus, Moses said, now remember, Moses, and what they're always trying to do is say, can we get Jesus to disagree with Moses? Because then we'll all go after Jesus and we'll be justified in doing it. Moses says, if a man dies without children, his brother should then marry the widow and have a child who will carry out his brother's name. This is in Deuteronomy 6. This was what the law said. Now, that sounds weird to you. Here's a guy. He's married to his wife. He dies. His brothers are supposed to come and marry the wife. You go, well, that's kind of weird. We don't practice that anymore. Think about the sociologic reasons and God's wisdom for doing that. First of all, women were very vulnerable. They were very vulnerable, and so they could be easily be abused or taken advantage of if they're a single woman, right? No husband. And furthermore, uh, if you have this woman and she's alone, she basically now has one of two choices. She's either a prostitute or a beggar, okay? Did you ever play the game, would I rather? Okay, there's one for you. Beggar, prostitute. Let's see, would I rather? Like, it's, it's a terrible lot. So what's happened is the brother would come and, and marry the, the sister-in-law, provide a child. The child would then continue on the line, the inheritance. This was the Mosaic law. Okay, so what the Sadducees are going to do is make Jesus see that, that this is very ridiculous and see if Jesus can dis- disagree with Moses. So they say this, well, what if this guy had, uh, I'll show you the scripture. Well, suppose there were seven brothers And the oldest one marries, and then he dies without children. So his brother marries the widow. And what they do is they carry this whole thing out. So this guy dies, and then then his brother marries, and then this guy dies, and then his brother marries, and then this guy dies, and his brother marries, and this guy dies, and his brother marries Jesus, and this guy dies, and his brother marries, and this guy dies, and he marries the, the sister, right? And then they go, they say, well, when they all get to heaven, whose wife is she? And they're trying to make this thing just look seriously ridiculous. And they're trying to get Jesus to disagree with Moses. That's what they're doing. They're trying to trap him. And Jesus takes them all the way back to Abraham. 1,800 years earlier, he makes the point out of a verb tense. And then he sends them off scurrying. Right? Makes them look ridiculous. Okay. So then we're going to sing this song. So then (laughs) it says, but when the Pharisees... I'll just break out in song at any time. You don't know. If you're new, you don't know what's going to happen here. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus has now silenced the Sadducees again, right, with his reply, now the Pharisees meet together again to question him. And one of the Pharisees, who's an expert in the religious law, like this guy's really got, we say the law, it's the Mosaic law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, not really Genesis, but Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He, this guy's an expert in it. And now this guy is going to trap Jesus with another question. And this is where it gets really interesting. Teacher, he says, very, very, probably tongue-in-cheek, just trying to sound respectful. Teacher, he says, which is the single most important commandment in the law of Moses? Like of everything that's out there. The first five books of the Old Testament, basically. 
Which one? Tell us which one. It sounds noble. I just want to know which one. And we should be listening to this. Because if Jesus is going to answer, shouldn't we know what's the most important commandment of the 613 Mosaic laws? Which one is the single most important? Jesus answers, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, just step back for a second. Remember that this Pharisee is asking him this specific question in order to trap him. Okay, so let's take note first of what, the, what Jesus says the answer is. Love the Lord your God. Don't just kind of like love the Lord your God. Like we say in America, we have a million. We love everything. We love the Vikings today until they lose, and then we love whoever else. You know, that's kind of how we are. He's saying, no, love them with all your heart. Love them with all your soul. Love them with all your mind. Okay, the Pharisee is ready to do this. Like he's ready to go. He's asked this question. What's the single one most important question, right, commandment, and Jesus answers, and the Pharisee is just ready to go like this, and then Jesus says, and a second is equally important. And the Pharisee was like, a second? I, I asked you for one. There's a second? Like, I just asked you for one. And Jesus says this, a second is equally important. Now, again, I've said this a lot of times. There's a lot of different translations of the Bible. They're not just telling totally different stories. Sometimes just the words they use. Uh, we used to use the NIV, love the NIV, incredible, fantastic translation. This is one where I happen to love the New Living Translation that we use because it says this, a second is equally important. A lot of translations will say a second is like it. He's not saying a second is like it. He's saying a second is equally important, which means this. The second commandment is only second in sequence. It is second in sequence only. It is not second in importance. You follow me? Okay, number one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I hope we get that. But Jesus goes, boom, right away before the Pharisee can even interrupt. He said, listen to me. This one, get ready, this one is just as important. And he says this, love your neighbor as yourself. This is crucial. We talked about this a lot. This relationship is crucial. This love is crucial, crucial, crucial. But for followers of Christ, if there's this love, if there's this devotion, guess what? This one is equally, it is of the same value, same importance. This one, love your neighbor, right? Love, love the Lord your God. He's quoting from the Old Testament. He goes right to Deuteronomy chapter 6. He goes right here to, Deuteron to Leviticus chapter 19. He, he goes right to it. This is biblical. And he says it. And then he makes this really important editorial comment. The entire law... That's, 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 he's basically talking about the Old Testament here. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. The Jews didn't have a Bible. They had the law, the first five books, and then they had the prophets. Isaiah would speak, and they've written it down. Moses was seen as a prophet. Jeremiah. And he says this, the entire law, your whole Bible, what you have, it hinges on these two, on these two commands. What he's really saying is this. You folks read, you read something from Isaiah. And, and you're a little confused by it. You're not sure exactly what, what uh, Isaiah was saying. Let me, let me tell you something. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbors yourself. Go back to that. You start reading Jeremiah, the great prophet. I'm going to tell you something. You can't figure it out. You get confused. You're not exactly sure what point he was making. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. You get into the minor prophets. You read Hosea, Joel, Amos. You're not exactly sure where they were going, exactly sure what they were saying. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. 
It's that important. It's that important that you relate to your neighbors, that you love your neighbors, that you love them exactly as you love yourself. That's as important as our loving God. Can you believe that? That is, I don't, I don't write this stuff, just so you know. I just read it to you. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm reading you the scriptures. He says it's that important. Here's my question. How are we doing? Like, how are we doing at loving our neighbor. Go to Luke chapter 10. He'll tell you who your neighbor is. Because in Luke chapter 10, he tells the story of the good Samaritan. And he says, that's your neighbor. Your neighbor may look exactly like you. They may look exactly like you. They may have all your political beliefs. They may have all your opinions on everything. You're, you're like twins, separated the birth. And here's the other thing. Your neighbor may look nothing like you, may not share your political beliefs, may not share your, your they're not a Viking fan, everybody, right? Like, that's still your neighbor. And so my question is, how are we doing? How are we doing at that? How are we? Because sometimes we think this. Oh, I walked into church and I worshipped. And I'm like, right on. What happened when you walked out of church? How, and, and further, here's another one. How did you do in church? How, how did you do in church? How, how do you, we, we got people that sit on opposite sides of the sanctuary because there's a rift. We got the Hatfields and McCoys going on sometimes. And I'm saying, how are we doing? And here would be a follow-up question to that. How can I more effectively love and or relate to my neighbor? Like, how could I do that? How, how, how could I relate to them really effectively? How, how can I love my neighbor and show them the love of Christ? Somebody just was talking to me the other day. This is a good friend who I just really admire. And we were having a cup of coffee. And, and um, we were just talking about this very thing. And he says, how do you talk to people about And he talked to me about a specific issue. A specific issue that's, that's a, it's a big deal in the church. And he says, how, how do you talk to people about that? And I said, well, I don't, I don't really have an answer for you. I don't have a strategy. I just know that what I try to do is build relationship. Like a lot of the really hard conversations that we're having today, yeah, I don't, this is going to blow your mind, so you might have to write this down. It's actually not best solved on Facebook. Just wait a minute. Just hold on to that. It's actually not. It's actually best resolved in relationship. And so here's my question. How are we relating to other people? And how effective are we at doing that? And there are two things that I think are going to be really crucial if we're going to impact the world for Christ. If we're going to be able to speak into people's lives. If we're going to have any voice with them. If we're going to have any influence with them. There's two things that I think would really be important for us to do. Number one is just a little bit of self-examination. And the other thing is some self-awareness. And let me give you an illustration. I had this shoulder problem that was going on like forever. And I was just like, man, this is frustrating. And I'm a dude who likes to be active, and I like to go to the gym, and I like to just, you know, do different things. And I was just going about all my business, and that shoulder wasn't getting any better, and it was not healing up. I mean, it was just not. And I was miserable. It would wake me up at night. It was all that kind of stuff. And finally, I said, you know, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to start paying attention. So I'm going to the gym, and I'm working out, and I'm, and I'm thinking about my workout. I'm like, is that irritating? Is that annoying it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was looking at everything I did. How do I sit? How do I sit at my desk at work? Do I need to do something different? I'm asking questions, right? It can't, I was looking at everything that I was eating. Are there things that I'm eating that are really causing greater inflammation? Like, I'm looking at everything. It made all the difference in the world. Like, that shoulder is radically healing. You know why? A little self-examination. A little self-awareness. And so here's what we're going to be doing over the next nine weeks. 
We're going to be doing some of this. We're going to be studying the Bible. We're going to be looking at the Bible. We're going to be looking specifically at men and women of God, biblical characters, and we're going to look at their personality traits, and we're going to create some awareness. Now, along with using the Bible, we're going to use a self-awareness tool, and it's called the Enneagram, which is Greek for the Nine Diagram. Now, let me just say this. This is a tool. This is a personality tool. So raise your hand. Tell me this. Raise your hand if you've ever taken the DISC profile. Bunch of you. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you've ever used the Myers-Briggs test. Bunch of you. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you've ever done the Strengths Finders. Bunch of you. Put your hands down. Enneagram. That simple. It's an assessment tool. Now, I'm just going to, just in full awareness, I'm just going to let you know this. You can go home, you can get on the interweb, and you can look up all kinds of facts on the interweb. And people will do that, and you'll say, this is of the occult. This is of the occult. This is cults are doing this. And the answer is, Probably. People in the occult probably use the DISC profile. People in the occult have probably used the Myers-Briggs test. They have probably used Strengths Finders. If you, if you drive a Honda and you find out that somebody from the occult is now driving a Honda, do you go home and sell your car? No, you don't. You understand this. It is a vehicle. Guess what? Vehicle. This particular vehicle is used by Christian universities, Christian colleges, Christian counselors, uh, we've used it forever in our marriage mentoring program. Uh, we've taken our whole staff through it. What I have found personally is that it has created amazing self-awareness, and I'll show you how. This is going to shock some of you because you're new and you think, he's so gentle and compassionate. <laughs> and so about 25 years ago, I was at a restaurant, and I'm eating uh, lunch with about six friends. Right? Those of you who know me really well, you're like, I can see this happening. And so we're having a conversation at the table. And, says, and somebody said something, and I commented. And when I made my comment, literally, I'm not exaggerating, the whole table went like this, and I assumed that somebody walked behind me with a gun. That's what I'm thinking happened. <laughs> Zero. So I, I had no clue why everyone reacted. None. Now today I have more awareness. I'm becoming aware of some more things about myself. And I think as I do that, it helps me relate to people more effectively. Therefore, it helps me to love my neighbor more effectively. And so uh, the goal, I just want you to know this. The goal of this whole series is not for you to become an expert on the Enneagram. That's not our desire. Our goal is that you become an expert at loving your neighbor. Because that's how we communicate the gospel. It's the way that we relate to each other. So let me just, real simple, let me give you the big so what. We do this every week. So The big so what is we love better when we know better. We, we just relate to people more effectively. We have some self-awareness when we understand ourselves, when we see our motivations, when we see our flaws. We, so, so every week, we're going to be celebrating how God made us. And then we're going to create some self-awareness, everybody. I'm so excited about this series. Uh, Pat, just so you know, this is going to be for Lana. It's not for you, brother. But Lana, I'm hoping you get a lot out of this. <laughs> Pat, always, it's always so fun because Pat says to me after a lot of services, man, that was a good word for Lana today so good and so I'm just really excited about this it has been such a beneficial tool and I will also say this think about this if you're getting into a life group if you're not in a life group brothers and sisters you got to get in a life group let me just tell you this it is one of the most effective ways to build relationships in a hurry and to get to know each other because we're going to be studying we're going to study the Bible apply it to our specific lives and so our team is amazing Lauren and Vanessa and DK with Pastor Amos Leadership, they have created, like this is a 
book. This thing is awesome. It's only for life groups. I'm sorry. We only have made enough for life groups. So if you're, if you're in a life group and did not get one from your leader, your leader has one. If they don't, we have more for you. But, but double check and see if your leader has one for you. If you're not in a life group, please don't grab one yet. Because if we have extras, maybe. Uh, but uh, we, we've really only pre- created enough of the group. So the, the now what is really simple. The now what is this. Go on our website. If you go to the front page of our website, you'll see a large button that says, This is Us Online Assessment. It is free. It is free. It is a Christian group that has produced this one. And it's just going to get you started. This is not the answer to everything. This is what you are. We're not putting people in boxes and cages, but it's going to get you started assessing it. And then you're going to be using that in your group. Now, I don't have it on the screen, but let me give you more. one more now what. Here's the other now what. Ready? You folks better be inviting. This is the perfect series to invite to. It is perfect for inviting. Who do you know who's really struggling in their relationship with their parents, with their child? They literally live where they live right now. They got Hatfield and McCoy stuff going on. They're struggling with their neighbors, right? Maybe it's in their marriage. They're struggling to relate to each other. Guess what? You invite them to this series. We're going to be working through this for the next nine weeks, and you're going to love it, right? This is a great series. Be inviting. Be praying about who you would invite. I'm asking you to pray with me. Bow your heads, please. Father, thank you for this day of worship, for this great day of worship, Father. We are so grateful to worship you, the great God of creation, the great God of heaven. And uh, so this morning, we acknowledge you. We say thank you for the worship. God, I pray that over the next nine weeks, we'll become so effective at relating to others because we've studied your word, because we've done some self-examination, and because you've made us aware. So Father, do your mighty work. We're excited about that.